Welcome to the Creative Agency Account Manager podcast with me, Jenny Plant from Account Management Skills Training. I'm on a mission to help those in agency client service keep and grow those existing client relationships so your agency business can thrive. Welcome to episode 50. This milestone episode is with the lovely Tom Ollerton from Automated Creative. If you're interested in seeing how artificial intelligence is being used by agencies right now with some of the world's biggest client brands to improve advertising performance, I think you're going to love this episode. Let me introduce Tom to you now. So today I'm absolutely thrilled to be talking to the founder of Automated Creative, an agency that turns brands' media impressions into marketing intelligence. His impressive client list includes the likes of Diageo, Fevertree, Adidas, GSK, Samsung, KFC, and many, many more. Tom is the host of the Advertisers Watching Ads, where each week brands watch and discuss other brands' ads. And it's fantastic if you haven't already checked it out. He's also the host of the Shiny New Object podcast, which explores the future of marketing and industry leaders, where he recently interviewed Sir Martin Sorrell. And that's actually where I came across Tom initially. He did a phenomenal interview, and that's why I've invited him to the show. So Tom, massive warm welcome. Hey, it's brilliant to be on someone else's podcast. Thank you so much. Listen, can you start off by just spending a few minutes talking about you, your background, and maybe how you help your clients at Automated Creative? Yeah, sure. So I sort of have a long history of failing at a lot of things. I I left university early to go and be a rock star, moved out of London when I was 19. And a few years later, made a terrible album that didn't do very well. And then I was a chef for a couple of years and then did about 200 gigs as a stand-up comedian. And I just wasn't very good at any of those things really. But in the process, I discovered advertising and also discovered that you could work in a creative industry and get paid, which had sort of evaded me up to that point. And so I worked in a design agency, a digital agency, and a social media agency uh, where I was I was at We Are Social, I was the innovation director, and I fell in love with the way that automation was being used to do creative things. So automation of copy, music, like poems, media campaigns, researching audiences. And I just thought, wow, like at, at some point, all of these creative skills are going to come together and there's going to be this kind of whole new creative service uh, that has got automation at the center of it. So I thought, well, look, I'm going to go and try and make that thing. And four years later, almost, almost to the day. Yeah, we're working with the clients you mentioned. You know, we picked up in the last quarter, PNG, Danone, Mondelez, Cancer Research UK, and a few more. And as you say, yeah, we turn impressions into intelligence. So we essentially take what people are saying in social about a brand or a category. We listen to the conversations of, of real people. What are they saying? And then we turn all of those conversations into hundreds and sometimes thousands of ads. And based on what people click on or interact with, we can infer what are the psychological triggers that are driving the kind of action that the brand wants. So instead of the creative 
team or the the brand team making some assumptions about the audience we're just listening to the audience then we're making hundreds of ads that re respond to all of those conversations showing those ads to the same people that had them pretty much and then looking at the data in a very analytical way about what's working from a visual and written perspective so we deliver two things we deliver incredible leaps in advertising performance but also we deliver deep consumer insight that you probably couldn't get anywhere else it's so impressive. I mean, I've got so many questions I'd love to unpack, but are you the only agency doing this? Because this for me feels very forward thinking. Is this unique? And you've been doing it for four years now. Have you found that other agencies have kind of jumped on this? So I spend a lot of time making sure that we're the odd one out so that we have competitors who have raised like tens of millions of pounds. And so what we, we can't compete from a sort of cash perspective in that sense, but we thrive on the principle of just being different, being daring. So we're constantly looking, right, how can we be different? How can we outmaneuver? How can we outstrategize the competition and add value to the client in a way that they're not getting somewhere else? So there are lots of technologies that make dynamic ads i guess would be the closest thing the majority of the industry in this sort of the dynamic ad space it's a bit moronic it's a bit dumb it's a bit like you get these hundred copy lines and these 100 images and they just sort of churn through them in a mechanical way which is fine which serves a purpose but it won't tell you why your ads work whereas what we do is much more empathetic listening to the audience understanding what they're saying then creating the ads that reflect the wants needs and desires of the audience and then get the validation from the same audience about what is working and so we're blending some of those agency softer skills of uh, strategic thought and creativity and copywriting with the mechanical with the automation to deliver a service which i believe is unique but of course there's other people that do different elements of what we do okay so it actually sounds very very comprehensive so in order to kind of bring this to life for the audience, could you give me an example, maybe or one or two examples of campaigns that you've run? Because I'm interested to see, you know, from start to finish how that works and also maybe the metrics behind the results that you've had. Yeah, so one of our long-term clients is Racket or Racket Bankiza as they were, they were known recently. And we work out of Singapore and serve APAC, those guys, as well as actually North America, Canada and kind of all over the place for those guys now. But the first project we did sort of ran, I think, like 18 months across seven different markets. And what we're trying to do is decode what were the written and visual triggers that drove a performance for the brand Enfamil, which is an infant formula. Uh, it's less well known here in the UK, but massive in China, massive in the US and it was really great to see our client go on stage and, and talk about the work relatively recently and you know she said that when we were working in one of the markets uh, we were able to prove with our technology that the best thing that you could put in an ad targeted at a mom was in fact a dad and because we tested so many different things, we were able just to hone down on what, what were the visual triggers that drove performance. And then that led to that sort of awareness and CRM driving campaign moved on to a conversion campaign. And we took the learnings, we took the insight that our tool had developed, and we were able to half the cost of sale of their baby milk product from ads on Facebook, which is just absolutely ginormous for a, a brand of, of that size. But that's the thing we're really passionate about is delivering those kind of performance figures, but delivering that kind of insight that dad was more powerful than say a mom and a child. It's just so fascinating to me because I think that one of the downsides of the industry is people talk about best practice a lot. 
they talk about, oh, well, if you look at best practice, this brand does this. So we should copy that because that's what best practice is. That's what they call it at school. They call it copying. So if everyone's copying each other, then no one's marketing because marketing is the practice of standing out from the market. So what our technology does is able to help bands identify the things that make them stand out from the market. So another example would be for for KFC, a retained client where we are constantly uh, driving the performance of their paid campaigns and social. And uh, actually our client was on stage at Madfest talking about the work and, and he was reporting back how we kind of change the tone of voice of the ads, um, whether it's kind of straight or humorous or sarcastic, and it'll just change from week to week. So once again, with KFC, we do that by listening to the audience. How are people talking about takeaway food? I mean, people say all kinds of crazy things like, uh, oh, I've been to the gym, so therefore I deserve a burger. So cool, we'll put that in an ad and see if it works. And this is ongoing work for KFC. They've just won the best brand in the UK, I think, last year. And we've delivered a 40% reduction in cost per download of their app which is just astonishing results. So yeah, so that that's what we do. And I've got probably a hundred of those stories with, with similar insights and uh, similar levels of performance. Wow. Well, congratulations on that. And I did actually see that interview on Madfest with the, I, think, I don't know if he's brand manager for KFC. CMO now, Jack. He, CMO. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But that's a fantastic story. Maybe we'll include the link in the show notes actually, because that's a great case study. I'm curious to know how this kind of AI powered technology actually works. I mean, when you talk about multiple variations of the copy and multiple variations of the visual, which then kind of accelerates the learning and the insight and leveraging what's working to make it even more optimized. How does that actually come together? Like what's the input that you have? Can you just maybe just keep it simple for me, but just how does that work? Yeah. So the original vision for the business was just to automate everything. We'd like press a button and a campaign would appear and the sales would happen. And, you know, we just sit around on the beach somewhere, but (laughs) that hasn't happened at all. And the reality is, is that machines are really good at some things and they're really good at doing lots of small things very quickly. Whereas humans are good at strategic tangential thinking that kind of happens slowly over time. And when you get machines to try and do that stuff, it's awful. And then equally trying to get a human to do lots of things very quickly, that takes a long time and is very expensive. So essentially our technology, which has AI elements throughout the process is fundamentally focused on automation, hence the name. And what it really does is is able to produce ads very quickly, which is obviously very useful because it means you don't have to choose one ad. You don't have to make a bet. See, brands can now test hundreds, if not thousands of things if they desire. So the technology makes the ads very quickly, but our technology also knows what is going on at every stage of every ad. So when these ads are out in the wild and people are reacting to them, watching videos, clicking on links, buying something, we know what was going on at each stage of each ad. So at an audience level, we can understand the written and visual triggers that drive performance. Then we can make more ads based on what we know is what's working and turn off the stuff that isn't. So you're going through an iterative process of creative sprints, we call them, to really understand what is driving interest in this brand. So at the end of the campaign, performance is amazing, but actually you have these really juicy, gooey psychological insights into why this brand is appealing to the audience that they're speaking to. This might sound like a dumb question, but presumably the starting point is you coming up with the idea and you coming up with the messaging and then you're putting it out and then iterating from there. Like how many versions do you have to kind of put out there? Am I getting it right? Yeah, that's pretty close. So 
typically what happens is we will work downstream of a creative agency. So a brand will have a creative agency. They'll have a, a big creative idea and they'll have like a TV ad or, you know, thousands of gifts or statics or whatever it is. And then we work out strategically what the brand is trying to achieve. And then based on that strategy, we will generate all of the variants we need to deliver that job. So it's it's not a case of like how many, it's a case of what does the brand want? Are they trying to drive sales? Are they trying to drive awareness? Do they want to get people to watch their video? Do they want people to go to the website and you know stick around for a bit? So it depends on what the actual goal is, but we combine what they want to achieve with, with with what they have with the insight from the social listening or search keyword analysis so it is a bit of a depends answer so i apologize but no it's... thank you for explaining that got it got it does that mean then that you work alongside sometimes agencies rather than you know clients bringing you in to work alongside their agencies so we sit in a very uncomfortable place which is we're a tech platform but we do a lot of things that you would expect from an agency. So obviously we're all ex-agency ourselves. So we sit between the, the creative discipline, the creative agency and the media agency. So we create a fluid relationship between those things. So instead of the creative agency producing a thing, giving it to the creative agency and then running with it, what we do is we kind of catalyst in the middle an, an extra step that explodes the effectiveness of the ads, but also delivers the insight. So yes, we we have to sit alongside um, other partners. So KFC, for example, it's a mother of the lead media agency. So we play nicely with those guys. Got it. Thank you so much. This is all becoming a little bit clearer for me now. I'm interested. I've watched a few of your episodes of the advertisers watching ads, and I love it for a lot of reasons. A, you get some fantastic, high quality, great guests on there, but also that they're only 10 minutes long. So I'm just interested, why did you start both the Shiny New Object podcast and the advertisers watching ads show? So the podcast was started when I started the business pretty much because I was at We Are Social and they'd essentially built a massive successful agency off the back of obviously delivering the work, but they had a blog called the Monday Mashup, which was just probably still exists, which is just the kind of list of everything that's happened in social that week. And it was really granular, like really nerdy. And the whole industry would just converge on that blog every Monday and it just developed this trust for those guys and i just thought right well when i set up my business i need my own media platform and i thought as we were discussing before like i'm, I'm not a great reader not a great writer but I, I can talk a bit so i thought well i love, love listening to podcasts why not make a podcast so i thought well i'm running this business i'm you know i'm the account manager the salesperson wearing so many hats that you can't go to conferences you can't sit around reading blogs you've got to make bank you know you have to make this business make money from day one and so doing the podcast meant I could network, I could make sure my business was relevant, I could learn and I could create content. So just doing an hour-long podcast, which that's now sort of 20 minutes, but started off as an hour-long podcast. If I did that every week, interviewing the most interesting people I knew in, in London, then it would kind of tick all of those boxes. And I think 160, 65, 165 episodes later, I've interviewed some just amazing people. And yes, we finally took pity on Martin Sorrell and got him on the podcast the other day. He's a nice guy, actually. But, you know, I reached out to the global VP of marketing for Lenovo and I said, do you want me on the podcast? He's like, yeah, sure. And so now I have like all of these people I've got this lovely relationship with. I've spent time with them, talked to them and understood like where they're coming from, what their vision for the industry is. So that's what the Shiny New Object podcast is. And it's a real labor of love. It's brilliant. And then advertisers watching ads was our 
kind of lockdown project and everything slowed down as it did for everyone. And there were all these awful things on LinkedIn, like here's nine ways to have a great Zoom call. And we're just like, no, that is not <laughs> us. And then I saw Gogglebox, which for anyone who doesn't know, is a TV show where you watch people watching TV, but don't actually see what they're watching. Loosely, And I thought, well, what if we did that for advertising? You know, everyone's got an opinion on everyone else's ad, so why not record that? So I get three, three or four brands every week to review an ad. We're partnered with Contagious, so Contagious go and source these weird and wonderful ads. They're a LinkedIn poll every week, and people can vote on which ad to go on the show. And then we have like just brilliant guests, and we don't know what the brief was, we don't know what the budget is, we don't know the context, but nonetheless, we all have a stab at trying to work out what was going on. And I think we just did our 65th episode of that, and I love it brilliant and you get to network and learn and be inspired by a real range of different people the other week we had i think someone in london singapore new york all on a call all discussing an ad from uh, somewhere else in the world so i what a treat that my job allows me to do that stuff as well and what high quality content they're brilliant i have to say i mean there's probably agency leaders listening thinking that's a really good idea maybe i should go down the podcast route how beneficial has it been to your business Oh, transformative, right? Like it's done all the things that it was supposed to do, right? So we're creating content, which drives traffic and interest. It's opened doors to start new conversations. It's helped me learn and stay on top of things. And it's always kind of different. It's all, you're meeting people from different backgrounds and learning about their lives up to the point of which you recorded the podcast. And with the shiny new object podcast, people always talk about their shiny new object. So that might be technology or it might be like a mindset thing. So I think it's Riley Dunn from Unilever. His shiny new object was extended parental leave. And I was like, what? okay cool tell me about that and he said well you know if there's longer parental leave for dads then you know they'll be closer to their families make them all rounded persons therefore they will do better marketing or i interviewed david byrne from aviva and he was talking about nfts and so both of those things that not necessarily know a great deal about but you get to dive into these topics and, and really learn so it's, it's making me a more rounded knowledgeable and hopefully more interesting person for you know, spending time with these people but it, it's been great so it's really good for their profiles it's good for my profile it's good for the business's profile and, and hopefully the agency can learn from these experts sharing some of their vision absolutely agree and even you know you get the insight behind the client don't you I mean from a account management point of view everyone's trying to understand the clients better you know how they think what's important to them and actually there's a lot of insight that you're generating from how they think you know how they use language what's important to them so it's even more clever than I originally thought what you mentioned that you learn a lot what have been the kind of the standout things that you've learned through doing those 165 episodes I think the main thing that I've got is that adversity builds rapport. So it's maybe look back on my life and my friendships in and outside of work. And my mini theory is, and you can challenge me on this as much as you like, but is that you form the best friendships through adversity. So whether you've got like an awful job and you just sort of, you're surviving it with someone or you've got a terrible teacher or a boring commute or a, a difficult boss or work on a difficult project or if you've like ever done creative stuff so you've been if you've ever been in a band or in a theatrical production if you put yourself in a position of risk and adversity and, and almost discomfort then naturally you're looking for comfort at the same time so therefore you form bonds with people a lot quicker so if i say to someone oh, do you want to come on my podcast it, probably they haven't done one before so they're in a position of like elevated stress and even if they're confident about doing it they'll still be like 
feeling they're on stage. And then I hopefully give them a positive experience and guide them through that and or you know allow them to shine in their best way possible and it just means that you get to know people because you sort of go through that adversity together it just means that you have a rapport afterwards so like of those 160 odd people that I've interviewed if I saw them at a conference I could go across and I'd say hey do you remember doing that podcast I know we've never actually met in person but I really enjoyed that we were talking about xyz so there's no way that that rapport isn't just instantly there so that's the thing that I've, I've really learned that doing creative stuff where people are slightly exposed, you're like, you can form a, a deeper, uh, a better rapport, stronger relationship by doing that. Another thing would be that I've sort of turned into an unpaid part-time recruiter. <laughs> so, <laughs> How so, come? So, well, you know, you, because you built this rapport. Or do you know you anyone? This connection. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm sick of working at this company i don't know well, what you want to do oh well i've always wanted to work in automotive or fmcg well look i've, I've interviewed 15 of these guys do any of these people seem interesting to you and so and i've you know i've helped clients get jobs and start conversations and because if someone's been on a podcast and someone else has been on the same podcast you go hey guys you've got this thing in common and you know it's i can't i'm, I'm not selling that person myself i'm just going you should you should talk and then that allows that thing to happen. And when that, I just love that. It's just such a cherry on the cake to put two interesting people together and have them be like, you know, to connect and get on with each other. And yeah, and it, yeah, the other thing, it just, you know, it, it does open doors. Like the, I've met people from all over the world that I now have this, this the beginnings of an, an interesting and hopefully sort of lifelong relationship with because we've done this creative thing together, because we've made a podcast. So yeah, those are the three things. Yeah, building rapport, sort of being a recruiter and opening doors. It's so powerful. I mean, anyone listening to this is thinking, wow, I actually can't believe that more agencies don't do podcasts for these reasons. And I hadn't really thought about the adversity angle, but you're absolutely right. You know, and I think maybe that's why coming from an agency background, you know, where there is that constant pressure and everybody's under stress and maybe pitching behind the scenes, it bonds you, doesn't it? And you form, I mean, I'm still in contact with people that I work with, you know, 25 years ago because of those intense periods, yeah. <laughs> you know. So I, I think this is really well articulated. Thank you. I really can see that that would be the case. I'm interested, Tom, in talking about the marketing clients you work with and just thinking about, obviously, we're coming, are we coming out of the pandemic? Who knows? But, you know, during that period of time where everyone was locked down, how have you seen their needs changing from when that happened to now? Yeah, it- this is the one question you sent over and I was like, oh God, that, that, this could go on a while. But I, I think like ultimately the changing needs of the clients haven't been so much been defined by the pandemic as more like the type of work that we do with them. So where some businesses really struggled during the pandemic, we've grown like quite aggressively because we have a technology that makes people's ads work a lot better but we also deliver the insight into why and so this has been sort of transformative for our clients as they realize that the old school method of you do some research you make an assumption based on that research you write a strategy and then the, the creative idea gets made based on that strategy and then that gets produced and then delivered and that, that was the sort of the process give or take whereas what we do is we do the research the social listening bit and then we produce tons of ads and then based on which of those ads work reinforms new creative so with all of our clients we're all teaching them a new skill set anyway we're using technology we're using automation to make advertising better by doing it in a different way so i think that 
agencies are going to have to change because we are creating an expectation from the client that they're going to want speed and scale as well as good ideas. So I think in five years time, 10 years time, all campaigns will work the way that we're doing them. So there will be a great idea that comes from a sort of creative agency, but then there will be this multiple versions that iterate, that develop over time. It will become a lot more fluid. So I think agencies and brands need their like get educated on exactly how that works because we've done nothing else for four years and there's a process and there's a technology that needs to be understood and, and deployed to do that. I think you're totally right. I mean, like you said, you're changing the expectations of the clients. I mean, you've already talked through the amount of clients you're working with, the blue chip clients, and their expectations are going to change of other agencies and other agencies are going to think, well, we're going to be left behind if we don't get on board with this. I mean, to that point, how do they do that learning? I mean, obviously, from a client perspective, they can come and work with you. Maybe some clients, I mean, is there any resistance or is this kind of a no-brainer offer? Because you're offering, you know, a faster process, a, a more cost-effective, I would imagine, efficient and more kind of using insight. What's the barrier? What's the challenge to them? Uh, the barrier is always apathy, right? Right. So to do something new, it's going to take new knowledge, it's going to take more effort. It's so much easier just to go and do the thing that they normally do. And with innovation, there's risk. And with innovation, there's effort. Uh, and with innovation, you never know quite what you're going to get until you've done it. So that's the journey we take all of our clients through from being excited about it to getting on board and to eventually our clients using our self-serve tool. So, you know, at any one given time, there's like hundreds of ads being made by people all over the world using this technology and using it in a way to suit their strategic needs of the brand. So yeah, you can't read a book on it. You can't just gen up on it over the weekend. You've got to do it. So yeah, we're breaking the model, we're revolutionizing the way that technology is used. And ultimately, actually, that has a, a real impact on account management. You know, so we're revolutionizing the way that that people work within this kind of service. You know, we're not that old agency model of like just get the juniors in, don't pay them very much and make them work even in some weekends. So we are very much focused on a like you know, 40 hours is enough. If you can do your job in 40 hours, that's great. You know, we don't work the evenings, we don't work the weekends. Occasionally those things happen, but it's not the norm. It's not the expectation because, you know, we can create a thousand ads in like an hour, but not the, always need to do that many, but we've, we've removed all of the sort of the boring work and the, the manual stuff. So we, we've automated that. So hence why we can do this stuff so quickly. So yeah, it's brands, agencies, they've just got to try and do it because it's being defined right now and the revolution of ads at scale and producing performance and insight at the same time is, is it's happening right now then brands and agencies have to get involved in it I'm glad you brought up the topic of account management and their role that they play because i'm sure there are some account managers that maybe this is the first time that they've heard you know what you offer as an agency because at the moment there seems to be a real shortage of account managers to go around and they might be drawn by the fact that you are at the cutting edge of what's changing you've got these blue chip clients you're doing something different and they're probably going to be attracted to that to working with you so can you spend a few minutes just talking about your account management philosophy you've talked about 40 hours a week that's enough you know but what other things are important for you with the account manager role in your agency yeah so it's just basic principles really like i love those jobs i had where i could presume permission you know asking forgiveness not permission just like we've hired you because we think you're really smart and we like you just go and get on with it. I, I really believe in hiring incredibly intelligent, driven people and pointing them at a problem. And 
they know they're not going to get it right all of the time, but most of the time they will. But then they need to look after themselves. You know, like if you need to take lunch, take lunch. You know, you have to nurture you. And part of that is finding their best place to work. So we worked remotely for the first year and a half. And then we worked in an office and then the pandemic happened. So uh, we sort of obviously like everyone were pretty fluid. But the thing is, like, find the best place to do your work. You know, if you've got a like a deep problem to solve, then you're you know, probably best certainly pajamas on the couch. Whereas if you just got a bunch of small things to do and you want a bit of chat, then work from the office. And you know, we're big on like we we just don't want to see a, like a work version of people. We don't want to see a corporate version of someone. We we just yeah, we we like the whole person and we just want that person to be themselves and as much as they can and feel comfortable to do that. We're also a big believer in family first. You know, I've got a young daughter who refuses to sleep and creates all kinds of problems and the team are very sympathetic to that. But whether that's a a partner or a a family member, you have to have that core in place. And so we're really big on on making sure that family comes first. And yeah, and you know, as I said before, like respecting the weekends, just you need time off. But yeah, ultimately it's about doing the right thing by each other and by our clients. And we also have a spirit of transparency, you know, trying to, where possible, just be blunt, just be open, just be transparent and not just having a laugh as much as possible. But like when that good time's happening, like let it happen. Do you know what I mean? It shouldn't be like right now, we've got to get back to work and be all serious now. So those are the kind of loose principles that we work around. But yeah, we've done our best work before Automated Creative when we had autonomy, when we could be entrepreneurial, we could take ownership. We knew that our bosses trusted us. And so that remains, we want our staff to affect the process. It's not like here's a deck on how to be an account manager or automated creative. It's like, no, you write that deck, you write that process, you tell us what needs to go into the product from a technical perspective. Yeah. So our account team get exposed like incredibly senior clients because we have this really unique seat at the table because of the technology, because we're delivering this performance, because we're delivering this insight. So hopefully we're revolutionizing advertising, but also the way that account management works as well. I love that. If I was 30 years younger, Tom, I'd be chasing you for a job. Not <laughs> not that what you do now is uh, kind of would have existed 30 years ago, but absolutely. I love the fact that you said, you know, bring your whole self. We want to know every aspect of you. You're talking about what Google has coined psychological safety. You know, if you make a mistake, don't worry. It's not going to be, you know, that what's it called environment where you're going to feel punished. You said that you choose smart driven people in order to get those people that can hit the ground running and take over and take that ownership. What's your hiring process like? Like, how do you attract new people? Well, it comes back to what we're talking about at the start, having your own publishing platform, right? You know, so we have thousands of people that watch our shows or podcasts or read our stuff. So we, we, we well, in a small way, are a media owner, right? So if you're like, oh, we're hiring for this, you know, we, we're hiring for uh, junior account folk at the minute. So it's like, right, well, I'll just put an advert on the podcast, turn on the microphone. Hey, actually, if you listen to the most recent podcast, I think that the ad should be on there. I said, hey, we're looking to hire a, you know, get in touch. Here's my email address. So actually, once again, going back to the things that you own to leverage. Love that. I mean, have you filled the role? No, no, we haven't actually. So yes, if anyone is listening to this, please get in touch. We, we want to meet those hungry, curious, creative, innovative, divergent thinkers because that's, that's what this business needs. I really hope that you get some responses from this podcast, that's for sure. I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I looked at your website and I looked at your hiring account manager role and I looked through the job spec. And what I loved about it was there was this massive list of benefits of working for the company. But at the end, it said dot, dot, dot. And anything else 
that you think you would like to suggest that could be beneficial to the role, you know, or to you joining us, which I thought was phenomenal. I'd never seen that before. Of course, man, we're a startup, right? It's not like we got all the answers. It's not like we've run businesses like this before. We're, we're inventing it every day as we go along. So I want to hire people that make me look at it differently and, and go, oh, well, well, obviously we should have this benefit or why don't we do this? Or why don't we work four days a week? Or why don't we have an office here? Like, Because like I don't know what I don't know. And that's where the smart, driven, exciting people can come in and help. I bet you're a brilliant leader to work for because that humbleness just comes through in in droves and your passion for what you do also comes through. And that's so important at the top of an organisation. You know, you set the tone for the whole agency. And I've worked in enough toxic agency environments to know that, you know, you don't have to look very far. You just look at the top of the tree and you'll find the problem. So I hope that people listening to this find it inspiring and we'll get in contact with you. Tom, is there anything that I haven't asked you that I should have asked you? Because I just can't believe that I've you know, got you on the podcast and you're doing something so innovative. Where do you see the industry going? Can I throw that one at you? Well, hopefully we're leading that the industry. We know that we, we're right that this really odd way of doing advertising where we listen to what people are actually saying about brands, making ads that reflect those wants, needs and desires, and then showing them the ads back again for them to qualify what works. Like it just makes so much sense to us. And obviously it works. One of the clients we've won, had the success that we've had, but yeah, it's not commonplace. So I don't know how this isn't going to scale. I don't know how this isn't going to become sort of best practice. So that's where we're trying to lead the industry. We're trying to change it, get better results for clients. And I think also it's much better for the consumer as well, as opposed to being sort of shouted at by brands, like having ads that reflect them, I think is super interesting. And actually one of our clients, we've, um, Actually, it's across a few now, I couldn't think of it, but it's what we're doing is using nano influencers to create user generated content. So, not like influencers as in, hey, I'm really influential about this subject. You should like like this product. Just what we're actually doing is just getting the, the asset from them themselves. So, they're just good with a smartphone, basically. So, we've got ads that are reflecting the conversations that consumers are having. And those same ads have got images or videos in them made by the consumers themselves. And those ads are also being kind of voted for and ratified by their interaction with them in social, which I think is just crazy. So weird, but so exciting. So much better than like a focus group where 20 people say, oh yeah, I really like these trainers. And then someone comes up with an idea saying, oh, we'll stick an athlete in them and then put a million quid of media behind it. We've had enough of that. It's time for a change. I love it. And I've been reading a lot about the creator economy and Zoe Skaman is very much, she was on the podcast as well, very much at the forefront of what's changing there. So yeah, that's a genius idea. Final question that's just occurred to me, and I just don't want it to, I know it's a bit of a boring one, but you do a lot of B2C brands, direct to consumer. Have you applied your methodologies in a B2B context? We haven't got any B2B clients Okay. Do you think that that's... Which a- is really annoys me because I was like, yeah, but you've never done B2B. I'm like, oh. look, but we have a technology. We listen to the audience. We create ads. We use visuals and test messaging. And then we look at the data to work out what works, which is completely portable across the B2B. But um, I'm, I'm yet to convince of any, any one of that. So if anyone's got any B2B clients, then uh, yeah, let's let's talk about what you I'm missing. You never, you never know. Listen, this has been fantastic, Tom. I'm so grateful that you came on the show. Well done for all the podcast hey, no, episodes. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed the chat. Who would you like to hear from and how can people reach you? 
Yeah, just reach out to me on LinkedIn. I obviously read every message. I live on LinkedIn. It's embarrassing. Yeah, we're looking for hiring a global head of growth. So anyone who's got experience in in growing tech platforms would be great to hear. But yes, um, if you go to our website, which is automatedcreative.net, there's a jobs page. And as as you say, has the spec there and contact details. My email is tom at automatedcreative.net or get in touch so we're growing that account management team so which is why it's so brilliant to be on this podcast thank you so much what an absolute treat oh i really hope it's fruitful for you tom and you, you attract the right people to you so thank you again it's been amazing my pleasure hope you enjoyed my chat with Tom and maybe like me you've learned something new about how AI is being used by agencies. Please do get in touch with Tom if you're an account manager you're looking for a new role who likes the sound of working with such cutting-edge technology and making an impact with his blue chip clients. If you don't want to miss an episode of this podcast and also want to receive tips for improving your account management skills then please go over to my website and sign up for my newsletter at accountmanagementskills.com. I look forward to seeing you on the next one.